Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome to the Sweet Empowerment Podcast, Reclaiming Your Personal Power. I am your host, Kristen Brown. My next guest has said that her past trauma and abuse has positioned her to develop and leverage her grit. Allow me to introduce to you Miss Carolyn Colleen. She is a proud mom, corporate leader, and a life and business strategist. In her book, Fierce, Transform Your Life in the Face of Adversity, Five Minutes at a Time, Carolyn powerfully shares a personal story that is simultaneously riveting and heartbreaking. To come out of the other side of her experience, smiling, happy, a great parent and spouse, educated and fulfilled, is nothing short of amazing. She has graciously shared with us, her readers, her personal model of resilience and how one can approach becoming resilient one step at a time. Carolyn spends her days guiding women like you to make bold moves to ignite their fierce evolution. Here's Miss Carolyn Colleen. You are listening to the Sweet Empowerment Podcast with Kristen Brown, where we upgrade our relationships and life by applying practical ideas, universal truths, and life-changing inspiration. Let's go have some fun. Welcome, Ms. Carolyn Colleen. Thank you for being here. Yay, thanks for having me. I'm so happy that we finally got to connect. It took a few minutes for us to get our schedules in sync, but we're here now. Yay! <laughs> so I would love for you to share with everybody your backstory, because I know you have a backstory of abuse and trauma, and really the, the essence of your work has to do with resiliency and grit, leveraging grit, and really just turning the nasty into brilliance. So let's just jump in and, and I would love to hear your backstory. Yeah, thank you. So when I when people ask me about my backstory, there's so many different ways in which to communicate it and getting straight to the point. So, you know, for, you know, with, uh, with my history, so I have history of at a very young age, sexual abuse from both men and women. Okay. And that started at the age of four and it continued on through my uh, my youth um, from just from you know, my mother, she struggled with um, untreated mental health. And so although she tried and, and I have no um, no question that she loved us, she struggled. And so some days were great um, and some days were really bad. Mm -hmm. And in those bad spaces, um, we, my sister and I, were unprotected from um, predators. Mm. And so my mom, she was very um, like uh, giving and she was very, um, she had a very servant soul, meaning that she wanted to help people that were down on their luck. And those people that were down on their luck, they sought to either, you know, one, be very grateful. And on the other hand, they sought to be a predator. And so my sister, she's nine years younger than me. And growing up, I was her protector because of these random people that would be in and out of our home. Um, my mom would bring them in because they needed a warm place to sleep and maybe a warm meal. And some of them were on their way and some of them um, sought to stick around and take advantage of the situation. Yeah. And thus, that's where the abuse came in. Um, and so, Growing up in an environment like that, that was up, down, and all around, and you never really knew what to expect from yeah. your mother, from strangers in my home. Um, and then also my mom was a hoarder. And so I lived with um, just, you know, you could walk into a house and, in our, our house, and we lived in many of them because we were constantly being thrown out because um, <laughs> my mom, she couldn't pay bills on time. Um, is I had mice and we had cockroaches and we had, you know, it was just, it was gross. Yeah. Just a lot of yeah. junk everywhere. And, um, and so that was an, uh, an environment that was very stressful. Mm -hmm. And um, my dad, he worked on the road. So he didn't live with us for the most of the time that we grew up and had didn't really, didn't really have an idea of what was really happening in the household. Uh, and so he worked very hard and just sent money home um but didn't we didn't live in the same state for a lot of the times that i was growing up um and then sometimes i remember he would come and he would come home and he'd just haul garbage bags out of just trash 
and um, and you know tell my mom you know please get help let's let's work this out and it just didn't and so um, kind of fast forward on that journey as you're from a young age as you're developing what it, what is your self worth um, and you know that the decisions that come out of how you've created your self-worth and at an early age I understood that I was just perhaps on this earth to be used in some way mm. and so because of the way that I saw my value also determined the decisions that I made mm -hmm. and so as a teenager I um I had my first boyfriend um, and, you know, trying to live a, a somewhat, you know, teenage life. I remember breaking up with my boyfriend and how devastating that was because of how I defined my, my, my identification of what love was and should be. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then I also remember waking up in the middle of an emergency room surrounded by doctors who were trying to pump the 25 sleeping pills I took in which to try and end my life uh, because I really didn't see what any of it was really worth. When, you, when you're taking the definition of what I felt was worth from a very early age to maybe giving too much um, responsibility to my teenage boyfriend to, to, to maybe rescue me from this situation. And then as teenagers do, they break up. Mm -hmm. This is normal. Mm -hmm. But to me, in the way that I saw it, I, it was too much. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first and the last time that I tried to take my life. Mm -hmm. um, because I realized when I came home that I was a shining light for another person, for my sister. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't realize that we're shining lights for others. Right. Um, and I promised her that I'd never try and leave again. Um, however, I ended up right uh, through more decisions that I made connected directly to who I uh, the worthiness that I had, I ended up in a very abusive relationship because I thought that that's was love. Um, and the ups and downs of mental health, um, manipulation and abuse, I thought, well, that must be what love is. And I ended up uh, pregnant and married. And uh, I had, my relationship looked like my husband monitoring my food, monitoring my time, monitoring my income, um, to the point where uh, I had alienated everyone in my life. Um, no one could come and visit, uh, and and no one understood how much he loved me. Right to the point of no one understood how much he loved me, and he watched what I ate because he loved me and he wanted me to stay thin and he watched my time because he loved me and he wanted me to stay safe and I didn't have any friends uh, that could come to our house or that I could go out and, and have a conversation with or go out of the house because no one understood how much that he loved me and they would they would actually try to break us up because they wanted what we had and that's so what you're telling yourself right that's, those were the words that i told myself to justify the right. um the abuse and uh once my daughter was born and i held her and i and i i realized what unconditional love was um i realized that she deserved better maybe i didn't but she deserved better and I read a statistic when I was at the, the, uh, a clinic appointment that in an abusive relationship, and they're raised, children who are raised in abuse, their children tend to do the same and choose the same. And I thought, mm-mm, not for my girl. And that is what got me to move and make a move. Uh, and I found, I, I left, I left um, my abusive relationship in the 15 minutes between every time he would call 
to see what I was doing. And I left with two boxes and a toddler bed and I found myself at the Salvation Army with really nowhere to go because I had alienated myself from everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, a bit of a bit of um, ego and pride. I didn't want people to know that um, they were right. Mm-hmm. And so I I uh, stood there at the Salvation Army, fearful for my life because my husband promised me if I were to ever leave, he'd end my life in his own so that we could be together eternally. And uh, and then also fearful of the future. I had nothing. I, he, he had convinced me that I didn't need to work. He had convinced me that I didn't need to get an education, so I dropped out of school. Um, and I was 100% reliant on him. And uh, having nothing but my daughter and two boxes and a toddler bed, I was scared. Oh, gosh. How yeah. in the world am I going to do this? And, and I also thought, you know what, it'd be a lot easier to go back. I know how to navigate. I know what to do to make it so that he's not as angry. Um, I know how to, I know how to navigate that world. And, you know, I thought about it. But then when I looked at my daughter, I knew I needed to do something different. And um, I wasn't, I, I fast forward to looking at her and thinking of her at the age of 19. And actually, you know, what could I be okay with handing her off on her wedding day to a man who abused her. Right, wow. So that gave me, that gave me the fire to just try just five minutes at a time to kind of clear the air and clear the, the emotions and the PTSD and the flashbacks of all the things over my childhood that were really holding me in, in an immobile state. And what I did is I took a deep breath. I focused on just the next five minutes as to what I needed to do in order to move. And that helped move me out of this um, paralyzing state that I was in standing right there. And I can remember standing in line in the fluorescent lights and uh, you know people from all different walks of life um, waiting for food. And I was thinking, this is not my life. This will not be my life. I got into low-income housing. I um, got into food stamps. I, the first night in a low-income housing, um, this low-income housing uh, space, someone was stabbed. And I was the only one with a phone. So uh, my phone was used to call the police and it was just chaos. And that that night, uh, when I closed the door, I said a little prayer and I just said, this is not, I'm not, I'm not going to stay here. This is a temporary space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I figured out a way five minutes at a time to continue to push forward, even though there are all kinds of emotions that could have held me back, could have, I could very well have just said I give up. Yeah. Um, but I used this tool that I created out of survival that thousands of women use today, just five minutes at a time to push forward into that long term vision and dream. And within one year from the day I moved into low income housing, one year later on the exact same day I moved out. Wow. And I hustled. I got myself back into college. I got myself, uh, I worked four cleaning jobs. I drove school bus. I, I worked as a waiter, as a bartender. And I tried to figure out how to break the system because I, I had left the circle of abuse and found myself right in the circle of poverty. Mm-hmm. And I was able to crawl my way out slowly, mm-hmm. consistently, um, and I went into uh, what's called subsidized housing, where you're able to get into a, a, a safer neighborhood and it goes off of your income. And so I did that and I continue to um, just push forward and push forward and, and raise my, my income through education and also just working my butt off. Yeah. And I and I raised my little sister and my daughter with no child support. 
um, and was able to elevate. And fast forward through to today, the tool that I used just starting at the Salvation Army, I still use today and I help so many other women do the same thing. And I've full circle, I actually go back to that Salvation Army to donate, not only donate, I'm on the board. And I also, um, I also am able to give back in that way in which to help others who are struggling and trying to emerge from hardship in which to um, identify their worth and become self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm listening to you. First of all, I'm like, part of me wants to stand up and cheer and the other part of me wants to cry because I can totally relate to this feeling. This happened to me at 42, different story, but all the same type of feelings. And I literally was like having chills in this moment. I'm like, oh, I so get this. The difference is you were 19, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's like, it just blows my mind. But also I, I can also identify with the love of a child being your catalyst where you're just like, it's something shifts. And we're like, no, because in my situation, it was the same thing. It was the love of my children. Cause I felt like I was dangling over this abyss of victimhood <clears throat> that was just so seductive that I could have just fallen in there. And I was like, Mm-mm. no, these guys are counting on me and I got to do what I need to do. And similar, similar story. So, wow. Thank you for sharing that. Just wow. Incredibly amazing story, Car- Carolyn. Oh my God. So I want to go into how you took you, I took a quote from you where you said, my past trauma and abuse has positioned me to develop and leverage my grit. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about develop and leveraging grit. Yes. So I, I really, I appreciate that you brought the word victimhood to the table because the things that happened to me in my short lifetime, are they right? No, they are not. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if I allow what happened to me to determine uh, my happiness and my ability to succeed, then they win. Mm-hmm. I've become the statistic. So those people, those evil people who whoever hurt them, because hurt people hurt people, Mm -hmm. they have let into becoming a victim by the person who was the perpetrator, the perpetrator one, seeing you as, um, you know, less than value, and then abusing you. When I think about how I'm going to curate my future and what I stand for and who I am, if I allow myself to to fall into victimhood, meaning, well, this happened to me, therefore I am. Yeah, then that means that they win. And they're not winning. So in order to flip the script on victimhood, I want to just be very clear, it's not that it's right what happened. It'll never be right. It'll never be right ever, ever, ever. And I don't believe this concept of everything happens for a reason and all these, you know, these comments that are meant for well, it's, it's meant for well, it comes from a good place. Mm-hmm. I feel that things happen for a lesson. Mm-hmm. And what happened to you, how do you make it happen for you? So when I look back at the abuse throughout my entire life, coming to peace with it, Mm-hmm. Not forgetting it, not saying it was okay because it wasn't, but how can I take what I learned and use it for good? So, for example, taking that grit, taking that uh, growing up in a household with the ups and downs and all arounds of untreated mental health. What you now? Five minutes it might be okay. Five minutes that you might need to duck because something's being thrown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I can take that's good from that? Or not even good, like what I can use it for grit is that I am very nimble on my feet and I'm flexible. Mm-hmm. If, if, you know, if something doesn't go, you know, as expected, 
that's okay. I just flex. I move because she yes. that is the most flexible wins. Love now that, that is an Love example. That. Yes. That is an example of how do you take something that that looks, you know, not good to adding a little bit of grit to it, a little bit of ferocity and make it work for you. So that's another thing. I also, because of growing up in an abusive situation and knowing how to navigate it quite well, and also being very codependent for many, many years, mm -hmm. you throw me in a conference room, a heated conversation, I can listen, I can sense, I can see, and I can hear. Now, how valuable is somebody like that mm. in a heated conversation? They can hear, they can see, they're able to kind of identify the emotions that are happening in the room and then make a paused decision. Mm -hmm. So another thing is, you know, when you have nothing and you have to try and make something and you do that over and over and over again, that builds resourcefulness and it also builds grit. Now, how, how uh, valuable might that be when you are working with an organization or a nonprofit and they need strategy help? Mm -hmm. When you bring in somebody who knows how to make something out of nothing and transform it into a business plan, you know that's pretty valuable. Mm -hmm. So again, coming back to how do you reflect on your life, reflect on the adversity that you've experienced and how can you perhaps use that as a resume in which to identify you know, where the pieces that you might need to add a certificate or add a class or a course in which to become an organizational strategist, become a business strategist, to maybe become a, uh, a life strategist, um, creating a book, helping other people create books, helping other people, because, you know, in life as well, it's not necessarily how much you accumulate. It's really about how much you give yeah. and how can you give in order to fill your fulfillment cup, but then also make sense of some of the chaos. Let's go into that just real quick for a minute, the giving aspect, because, you know, my podcast is based on reclaiming your personal power. So a lot of it's about people that are constantly just accepting the unacceptable, the people pleasing, the over giving, the over accommodating, those type of things. And I like to anytime possible that I can really stress what giving really is because people think it's the over giving and over accommodating when really it's there's a different energy that you're speaking of, Carolyn. Mm -hmm. So can you explain that? Yes. When I'm talking about giving, I'm not talking about codependency. There's a big difference. There's a wonderful book that I read. It's called um, The Women Who Love Too Much. Yeah, I've heard of that. And, and it's, it's a great read in that there's a bit of an element of control within being codependent and giving, overgiving. Because when you're overgiving, you're giving, you know, in, in a way, you're giving an expectation that if you overgive, then maybe people might give back and maybe you'll be worthy. Mm -hmm. And truly, you have to dig deep in to really what you're doing. Because overgiving and exhausting yourself isn't serving anyone. Mm -hmm. And um, and that also puts you in a space of victimhood and martyr, martyr home, martyrdom. However, it doesn't mean that giving, it, it, you can elevate yourself to another kind of giving. And it's giving where you're able to contribute with particular boundaries. So those boundaries are identifying what those are. Do I feel exhausted when I give? Do I feel um, animosity? Do I feel that um, I don't feel appreciated? If those types of feelings are, are popping up, it's time to sit down, get present, and think about why are you really giving? Is it because you're trying to receive something? Mm -hmm. Is it because there's some type of um, hurt that might need to be evaluated? And I was very, I was very guilty of this. I worked um, in group homes and I wanted to serve those kids that were like me, 
that need you know that 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 needed that space and and I also I just wanted to serve and and I what I was trying to do when I get real honest about it is I was trying to to heal and I was overgiving and exhausting myself mm-hmm. now there's a concept that you can lead a um, you can lead someone to water but you can't make them drink. <laughs> And what I was doing is I was trying to take people by the hand and to drag them and be like, this is the way. Why can't you see it? And, <laughs> and that exact thing. Ah! <laughs> oh, yeah, girl, I was like, I'm going to show you and it's going to get so much better. And, right. And but you, but you can't, you, you, you yeah. know, you're expending yourself because you can see, and that's a beautiful gift yeah. and, um, is to be able to see the light in others. Um, and uh, however, they have to also want it to. They gotta want it. And so what I did is I'm like, huh, this isn't working. This isn't working. And I had to think and I had to elevate myself. How can I help more people um, without trying to force, you know, um, you know, a square into a circle? Yeah. And that's where I found um, writing my book. I found speaking. I found um, life strategy in that if I'm speaking, I'm out speaking and I'm out sharing my book, um, people can opt in. Yes. Rather than me just going out there and trying to find everybody, they can self-select. And there's a thing called, um, there's a thing called empowerment. And there's another thing called Mm self-empowerment. You have to actually opt in to being empowered and so that's why i like the word self-empowerment is because they're opting in Mm. and once once that light and that's why that's why um in fierce is like it's there's that little ember and it's 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 kind of um it's an ember and it's kind of lit and what's wonderful is that you can see that light and just give it a little air to light up that fire and then I'll, and then give them you know more fuel and so that's how i shifted is writing my book speaking in which to help more people who opt in to more of the resources in which to help self empower mm-hmm. yeah yeah there, you you're touching on so many just so deep, beautiful and wise points. And one of them being that, yes, people have to want it. And that's true in all aspects of our life. Like if we're just dealing with a sister, a brother, a mother, a partner, whoever, if someone doesn't want it, you're really expending valuable energy there. And for those of you who feel like you've been in victimhood and you do want it, what the way I view it, and I would love to hear your take on this. To me, it's just a, it is literally just a pivot. You don't even have to move. You just have to say what else is out there that's beyond my limited scope of thinking or conditioned mind or belief system. That, that's really all it takes is just a pivot to a different direction, just a little bit of an open mind to see if you can ex- accept something. And because a lot of times I feel like people are, are in the victimhood because they're, that feels like they're in control. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay right here and I'm in control because I'm just a victim, but it sucks. It hurts. It's painful. It's depressing. It's, you know, sometimes people go into addictions and all kinds of other coping strategies being in victimhood. But if you're, if, what would you say to someone who's like, you know, they're just starting to see that light because there's a lot of shame too. like, well, I get it when they start to realize they've been a victim mm-hmm. or, or sat in victimhood, what would you say to someone who's just kind of sort of like, I kind of want to look that way, but I'm a little embarrassed because I've been stuck over here. Do you have any, anything to say to someone? You know, really, I would just say, take a deep breath. Like, you know, we are continually evolving. Yeah. We are not the same as we were five minutes ago. And it doesn't really matter what happened five minutes ago. What is happening right now? Right now is the the space that you own. You have control of right now. Now, mind you, if you you did something that does not exactly, you know, aligned with who you believe you could be five minutes ago, leave it 
in the past. But you are right here and right now and think of the possibilities of, you know, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Once you release that and you're able to just vision, maybe, you know, just, you know, six months from now. And in what could that be? Letting go of this, you know, oh, well, that's only for so-and-so, or you don't know where I grew up, or, you know, all those different self-limiting ways to bring you down. You just take a deep breath, think, you know, what, what vision could I create for myself? In the next six months, what could I create that I would be very proud of? Mm. And then reverse engineer that down to right now because you have no control over anything that you don't have control over the past and what happened before and you don't have um, control over the future because you're visioning it it hasn't happened yet but you do have right now and just taking a deep breath focusing on what would you be most proud of in the next six months and reverse engineering down to right now and when you take that deep breath what are those different emotions that pop up as you think about that dream and as those emotions pop up, maybe it's fear, maybe it's overwhelm, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's, oh, I, you know, I, I, all these different, like, I can't, I couldn't, I shouldn't, you know, all these different things that pop up that are emotions. There's also procrastination, which is another emotion. As they pop up and you feel those in the middle in your gut kind of welling up, use those emotions as fuel to pivot you in a direction that serves you compared to one that doesn't mm -hmm. and you know the ones that don't serve you because you did them five minutes ago mm -hmm. however the next five minutes you can own you can take a deep breath focus on what that dream might be and use your emotions use them it doesn't mean not feel it doesn't mean stuff them down everybody has emotions as you should but identifying them and then using your emotions as fuel to do what happens after the emotion, which is the action. Mm -hmm. So there's an action that follows every emotion. And what are you doing? Use that emotion to choose the action. And you could do it just five minutes at a time. Mm -hmm. So for example, you might be sitting there and you might be really you know, upset or anxious because you're thinking, you know what, I could choose to ask for that job promotion. I could choose to leave my relationship. I could decide to write a book. What do I need to do in the next five minutes, even though I'm scared, even though I'm anxious, even though I might be having, because my emotions are popping up, I might be having flashbacks. How do I, what do I need to do? What what next action in the next five minutes would move me closer to that long-term six-month goal? Would it be picking up the phone and calling a friend to pick you up? Would it be reviewing and pulling up your resume in order to apply for that job? Would it be maybe in a, in a health goal, drinking a full glass of water instead of picking up a soda? There's these small incremental decisions that you can make that are gonna bring you to that long-term goal and it's just five minutes at a time. And what you'll find is that those five minutes stack. And soon enough, you've gotten through a whole hour of abstaining from sugar, a whole hour of not engaging in a conversation that might um, reduce how, you know, what you're, how you feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. um, it might be not sending an email that could affect your work because you were upset. Right? And so there's all these little things that you can choose that will stack up to that long-term goal. 100%. You know, as you're speaking, I'm looking back on what I call my tsunami when I was virtually homeless without income with my ex-husband abandoning the family and he was um, abusive and other things as well. And, and I remember just being at my lowest of low and thinking, you know, I hit bottom basically. And I remember thinking, well, I can only go up from here. And what can I do in this next moment? Whatever it is, whether it's just go take a shower or make that phone call or get dressed or mm -hmm. meditate for five minutes. Or I called it talking to God at the time. I didn't call it praying because I had a little bit of religious odge in my past. But you also mentioned 
saying a little prayer. Did you rely on a higher power during, yeah, mm -hmm. during mm -hmm. your uh, transitioning? I don't even know what to call it, your transformation, your healing journey. Well, you know, I just want to, so it's not necessarily like an, like, um, so when I speak about saying a prayer, for me, I believe in my higher power, not necessarily organized anything. No, it's truly my relationship with my higher power. Mm -hmm. And in those dark spaces, really, I feel that that gave me grace mm -hmm. um, to believe that there's something greater than myself and that there is a, a, um, a plan, a purpose. And so and yes. that we have help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it was not in, alone. Yeah, because mm -hmm. when it was in when I was in that, that nervous breakdown at 3am, I, I literally remembered, I call my higher power, God, source, universe, all kinds of things. But I literally remembered God. And I was like, wait a minute, I, can, I have some help. I've been mm -hmm. trying to muscle through this as a brain, as an ego, as a backstory, as my fears, as my control. I have help. And then I started to lean in that direction and really surrender to something greater energy force moving through me, moving through my life that could, and, and things did start lining up for me, you know, so there was a, there was a surrender aspect of that too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Quick question about resiliency, because, you know, I'm, this is from personal experience. So I'm going to share a little bit about me is that I consider myself an extremely resilient person. I have been my whole life. I bounce back. I do have grit. One of my girlfriends one time said to me, why are you so courageous? Like, you, do you know, she said to me, do you, are you ever afraid? It was a strange question. And I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm afraid of like probably every day about something. She goes, you don't show it. Like you just, and I thought I really pondered that this is not in my not so distant past. I mean, maybe the past eight years, maybe. And I pondered that and I thought, yeah, I just don't, I just get back up. Mm. I just keep going. But what I've noticed on the downside of that, that's amazing. I'm really happy. And I pat myself on the back for that resiliency and grit. And I'm, that's where my backstory served me, which your story is now telling me what I did without knowing is mm. that I turned, you know, that into something positive. But what I noticed is because I am resilient, I tend, I tended not so much anymore to put up with more than I should have for my own well-being because I could handle it. Like, yeah, yeah, I could bounce back from that. I'm not saying I had a cognitive thought about it. It's just, it was so part of me to just keep going. Mm. What would you tell someone like me, Carolyn, tell me, what would you tell someone who is just so used to being resilient that they just where's the line of stopping and saying, Hey, that's not about resiliency. That's about being a doormat or that's about compromising your sacred self. You know, what would you say about that? No, really. And it's true. I, I, I resonate with that so much because I was a freight train. I was a freight train on getting to where I was going to, you know, I'm tough. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And you chug, 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 chug mm. on this choo choo, this train of fast forward. And here's the thing is that, um losing sight of what's most important and also um being present the beauty of being present mm -hmm. um and being able to stop and look around can you do it sure you can should you do it no and 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 being able to evaluate what that is and the reason it's so important is because I chugged and I chugged and I chugged along and I ended up, um, you know, I, I ended up getting to a space where um, one, I dreamt of owning a house one day to the point of building my own house. And then I end up, you know, 2.5 kids, a picket fence in suburbia, you know, all these things. And I think something's missing. And the thing that was missing is living my life on purpose. I had gotten so used to being so resilient mm -hmm. that I, I i had i had lost the, the the not lost i had not taken the time to to create a life that was by design 
that was on purpose. I didn't know it was an option. I didn't, and um, and when I took pause, I so I, feel this. <laughs> I so feel this. <laughs> going. Oh, it's so it's um, it just taking that pause, like Eckhart Tolle, you know, being able to be present. I was able to see that this this thing that I thought defined me, which was you know having all the things mm-hmm. and doing all the education and building my career. That's not that's not it. I was missing it, and um, with being able to become present, take a breath. Do I still get fearful? Definitely. I mean, every single day. But truly, the difference between a cowardice and a hero is the action that follows the fear. Mm. And I was fearful of stopping because I had been running my whole life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was afraid that if I stopped this freight train, that all the things that I had been running were going to crush me. Mm-hmm. And so I had to do the work in order to be present and to see and really lean into what is my power power, what is my purpose here, and um, and how can I, what is it, what is it, because it's not all this stuff. And what I found was I was able to become present, become intentional in a daily practice in which to create my life by design that I truly do deserve. Mm-hmm. where I can travel the world with my kids, where I can create multiple businesses, where I can have a nonprofit that gives back. I can have all of those things that aren't things. <laughs> They're experiences. And mm-hmm. what's the most value? Relationships, people, and experiences. And that is how I evolved to the next level of who I am. I love that. I want to go into your book. Because of course, time is flying and mm-hmm. would you hold your book up for the people oh. who are watching this on, on video? It's called Fierce, which is an acronym and it says transform your life in the face of adversity five minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. Would you share with us what the acronym, acronym, why am I struggling with that word today? Stands for Fierce. Yes. So Fierce, it stands for, it's a concept and it's also an acronym. So okay. F stands for focus breath. Um, So taking that deep breath and becoming present, first step, Mm. absolutely must do. Um, And and what's wonderful is that when you do take a deep breath, you're reducing your blood pressure, but you're also opening your mind to be able to actually conceive a thought, particularly when you are in a space of um, fear, anxiety, overwhelm, any of those things, taking a deep breath just brings you to be able to actually process any piece of information. And then I stands for identifying one goal, just one thing. We have like 200 things that we wanna do, but just pick, pick one. Just one, just one. And then examining the barriers to that goal. So what are the things that are getting in the way? And a lot of times what's getting in the way is you. So, <laughs> so what are those barriers? Um, and then R stands for reflect. How, how do I honor where I've been? Um, because you, you know, you, you've done and accomplished so many things, whether you want to give yourself credit or not to get right where you are. And then C is for courage, whether you believe you have the courage or you, you, you know, you believe you have the courage or not, you, you do, and you can. Um, and then E is for engage, taking action. And so taking all of those concepts and putting them together, it's truly being fierce is standing in your integrity for what your values are, despite your adversity and giving yourself an element of grace. Mm -hmm. So F is focus. I is identify E. The first E is what? Examine barriers. Examine. R is reflect. Reflect. Mm -hmm. And C C is is courage. And E is engage. I just got to say, coming up with that acronym, <laughs> I give up on that word today, is like, yeah, like, oh my God, it's brilliant. That is such a brilliant like breakdown. And the fact that it works with that word and just the whole thing is just crazy awesome. I love that so much. So I have a quick question. What you would tell, this might be a tough question 
But what would you tell someone right now who's listening? Let's say someone in a youthful, a younger child happens upon this episode and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm experiencing devastation in my life based at the hands of my elders. Mm -hmm. And, you know, is there some word of encouragement or something that you could say to them about, we know right now you're powerless because you kind of are, we're powerless to the, the beings around us that are telling us what we need to do or not do. Would you have any words of encouragement or wisdom for someone who might be in that, or even an adult that might be in this right now who feels powerless, right? Right. I would say from the words of my, my favorite artist, Whitney Houston, Mm -hmm. she gave me so much um, comfort in those days when I felt powerless. And one of the the words that I would, the songs I would play over and over again is, you know, they, they can take away everything, but they can't take away your dignity. Mm. Mm. And so when you're in those dark spaces, even when everything feels lost, you still have your dignity. hundred mm-hmm. percent. You know, she is an amazing artist to this day. I think she's probably like the voice. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I just, anytime I saw her, I was just transfixed on her. She's just outstanding. So what, if you could tell your younger self something, what are like three things that you've learned that you would love to impart, what you would have loved to have been said to you and that you for sure are teaching your children? Mm. You know, if I, if I had had the opportunity um, to speak to my younger self, one, and if my younger self would have listened, mm-hmm. because my younger self also had a concept that I knew everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and there's a, you know, there's that bit of being broken down, but there's, there's also that ego um, of, and like you said before, the ego, and then also the embarrassment of the choices that I made. And so if I were to be receptive, um, I would say that there are doors that you can't see yet, but they're there and you can open them. So take a deep breath. Mm. Dream a little bit. And then take action on getting to that dream. If mm. you knew you couldn't fail. And um, and and if only I, you know, were talking to my younger self and had that opportunity to speak to someone who was present and have that space to say that specifically. Mm-hmm. I love that. It doesn't end here. It doesn't have to end here. You know, there's so, there, is, there is more out there and, and you can go get that thing if mm-hmm. you really, really want it. Mm. That's amazing. This is going to be a really strange question, but as human beings, what do you think is our greatest superpower? As human beings, I feel that our greatest superpower is something that we might not have discovered yet. And it's truly um, our strength. You know, we as a human race have been through so much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with all the different things that continually happen, it's not our first rodeo. But how do we appreciate each other and appreciate our strengths and what brings us together as a human race? Mm-hmm. What unites us, I feel, is truly the ability to evolve and resilience. That's beautiful. So Carolyn, where can everybody find you? I know you have a book. Where's your book posted? I know you, ha- you have some offers on your website. Mm-hmm. So will you share with everybody? Yes. So everybody can find me at carolyncolleen.com and download my free um, BFF method, which I described, breathe, focus, and take fierce action five minutes at a time in which to get you to that long-term vision. And women uh, and men who have have practiced this tool specifically has helped them triple their income, write their first book, create a new business, um, uh, many different results that have come from this very, very simple tool. I have some people I want to share that with right now. (laughs) That's awesome. You are an amazing warrior. You're an amazing example of tenacity and 
breaking the pathology of your family history. Cause I, I do know that history goes back and to their parents and their parents and their parents and their parents. And at some point we can, we can do that. We have to know that we can break that pathology. You know, I yeah. had something that my dad would get really angry when he was frustrated and he would yell a lot. And then I noticed that when I got frustrated that I would yell and my brother noticed I have four brothers, but one of them said that to me, he's like, I'm just like, dad, when I get frustrated, I yell. And we, but we had this conversation. We're like, nope, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Like we broke that pathology because it's not necessary. And we didn't want to do that to our kids too. So I really, I'm just so honored to have you here. I am. You're just such a beautiful, bright spirit. And I love the work you're doing in the world. And we talked prior to this and you have a couple, you even have own a couple schools for children, teaching young entrepreneurs and yes you know, where are they based by the way? Like if in people- Wisconsin and Minnesota. Okay. So if people mm-hmm. interested in that, they can yes. look into that. Yes. Yes. That's Acton, A-C-T-O-N. A-C-T-O-N. Acton schools. Okay. And you're on socials, social channels. Where are you at? Yes. So Carolyn Colleen is my social uh, where they can find me on Instagram and on Facebook. And for my school, it's um, it's A-C-T-O-N Midwest, M-I-D-W-E-S-T dot O-R-G. And, um, and same for my nonprofit, which is One Life Fully Lived, which is creating roadmaps for, for people in which to um, have a roadmap for their life. Because how wonderful would that be, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> and that is one, like one, the number one, lifefullylived dot O-R-G. So you just write the number one for the URL. Okay. Wasn't, I one, didn't do that. And then life fully lived. One life fully lived. One life fully lived. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much for being a guest on the Sweet Empowerment Podcast. You are truly amazing, beautiful. And I'm just so happy I got to share this time and space with you. I've literally been on the verge of tears this whole time. It's just so, when I feel things in my spirit like that, it makes me want to cry. So thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I hope you all enjoyed this interview as much as I did. And if you did, I would sure appreciate it if you jumped over to iTunes and left me a five-star rating and review. And don't forget to share it with someone that you love. Until next time, everyone, remember, you matter.